A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. In this heat wave, we know you're worried about your livestock. And luckily, there's resources for you to go to to keep your animals safe and productive. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report with Dr. Jennifer Van Oss. She's an assistant professor at UW's Department of Animal and Dairy Science. She's also an extension specialist in animal welfare with a focus on dairy cattle. She says if you think it's hot outside, it's definitely warm for your cattle. She tells us when to worry. Thinking in the context of the Midwest, I know we consider ourselves more of a temperate climate, but heat stress is definitely a concern in our region for about half of the year. And from my perspective as an animal welfare specialist, I think that we actually underestimate the impact of heat stress on our animals sometimes. And so a lot of dairy producers are familiar with something called THI, which is the Temperature Humidity Index, which takes into account both air temperature and relative humidity since we know that Relative humidity can also increase the effects of the weather on the animals and not just the ambient temperature. And there's been a number of studies that have shown that milk production starts to decline at a high THI value. So for a while, that was considered to be 72, and then more recently it was revised to 68. So I think those are the benchmarks a lot of producers are familiar with. But again, thinking about animal welfare, we know that production problems happen quite late in the cascade of responses that animals have to heat stress. So by the time milk production drops, it means the animals have already decreased their feed intake to try to produce less body heat, and they go through other physiological and behavioral changes. And some of these changes are that animals tell us that they're feeling uncomfortable and would like some kind of intervention like cooling resources. And that happens sooner than a THI of 68. So I like to advocate to dairy producers to think from the animal's perspective, look for the signs that your cows are showing you and intervene before you see that drop in milk production. But you also mentioned other factors that I think are really important. So solar radiation or sun exposure is a really important one. So Here in the Midwest, it's pretty typical that our dairy cattle do have access to shade in our housed in barns, but of course we do have a population of grazing farms, and so it's really important in that situation that the cows have some form of shade. That's actually the first line of defense to keep them from gaining additional heat from the environment. So it's not just the temperature and the humidity, but definitely solar radiation is a huge factor. And I'm still surprised at that low number, 68, because we, I feel like people don't really feel that heat stress or get worried about, you know, their pets or whatever until it gets like to 90. But 68 seems pretty low. So how do you, how do you find a THI? Yeah, so it's there's a formula, but you can also find tables. So we have one through UW-Madison Extension. A THI of 68 would be equivalent to about 75 degrees Fahrenheit at a relative humidity of 20%, so pretty dry day. But if the relative humidity is as high as 90%, then you get a THI of 68 at only 69 degrees. And you're right, for people, it's not good to just go on when we feel hot because we're not the same as dairy cows. Dairy cows are essentially athletes working really hard to produce milk, and that means they generate a lot of body heat. So they're more sensitive than we are. And I feel like the worst that can happen is probably more than just decreased milk production. Why don't you walk us through the risk for dairy livestock when it does get too hot for them? Yeah, there are a lot of impacts. So it starts with the animal's natural adaptations to try to maintain their normal body temperature within a narrow range. So like all mammals, 
They have a normal resting body temperature just like we do. And so they'll start by showing signs that we can look for, like increased sweating. They'll start to breathe faster. They'll start to pant. They'll show behavioral changes like drinking water or standing around the water trough, looking for shade, looking for cooling resources, and also standing up instead of spending enough time resting. But then if the heat stress continues, they'll eat less. And that's because when they eat and they have ruminal fermentation, that generates a lot of body heat. So they'll eat less. And that's one of the major reasons why milk production will drop because that's also associated with a lot of um, body heat generation. But if the heat stress persists and remains severe, you can also see impacts on their fertility. So reproduction is an essential bodily function, but that will start to shut down. And then in really extreme cases, animals can die from heat stress. So yeah, those long-term implications impacting, you know, the reproduction of a cow. What about, does that get passed on to the calf? So that's a really intriguing question. And my colleague here in the Department of Animal and Dairy Sciences, Jimena Laporta, she has done some research both in Florida, where she was before, and here in Wisconsin, looking at these multi-generational effects that you talked about. So they did some really intriguing research where they cooled dry cows during the end of the dry period, so at the end of the pregnancy, and these cows did not have any kind of soaker or fan cooling earlier um, in their pregnancies, and just by cooling them for that short period at the end of the pregnancy, it made a dramatic difference for those cows' own milk production in the next lactation, but also a lot of really important impacts on that fetus. So after the fetus was born, there were differences in birth body weight, in growth, and mammary development. And then for those heifers, as they matured, it also impacted their future production. So I think that that's a really important point that you raise, that heat stress impacts not only the dairy cow, but also the next generation. So they're still working to investigate, is there a way to overcome those effects? Because it's really important to realize that the impact is not just on the animal who's right in front of you today, but also on the future of the herd. Jennifer, you had already walked through some of those symptoms, you know, different behavior changes in your animals if they are becoming heat stressed. But what are some of those red flags that you know you need to do something right now? And what should you do immediately if you're if you notice your animals are getting under some stress? I guess I'll answer that in two ways. Um, one of the most noticeable signs of severe heat stress, I think that's easy for people to recognize, is panting. So if a cow is breathing heavily with her mouth open, with or without her tongue extended, but especially if you see her tongue sticking out, that means that she's experiencing acute heat stress and that she could use additional help coping. So that is one of the cow's natural coping mechanisms to try to lose body heat, but that's a sign that it's escalated pretty far already. We also advise people to measure respiration rates because that's an earlier indicator. So if you see that a cow is breathing at 60 breaths per minute or faster, that's a sign that she's beginning to struggle to cope, and it's better to intervene then instead of waiting for panting. And you can also look for signs like cows standing instead of resting in the stalls or being bunched around the water trough, but that's a little bit harder to quantify. So we usually say if you see more than one cow panting, then it's probably not just a fluke. And if you see a large proportion of the cows breathing above 60 breaths per minute, that's really a warning sign. Yeah, and let's start with those low-cost, fast, easy, maybe, and then we can go into more of those permanent uh, interventions. <laughs> 
So if it's, if it's really an emergency, and I wouldn't say this is easy, but this is more just in a pinch, I would soak the cows with water, assuming they already have shade. So again, shade is absolutely the first line of defense. If your animals are in an uncovered kind of housing system, they absolutely need shade because if they don't, it means they're producing a great deal of body heat. They're gaining heat from the ambient temperature, relative humidity, and solar radiation. So you need to make sure they have shade because otherwise they're gaining heat from solar radiation. So whatever heat they're losing, it's being counteracted. So that's absolutely a number one line of defense. Assuming they have shade, there's two other strategies. And so I guess this isn't necessarily in an emergency situation. This is just best practice. So one is making that they ha- sure they have adequately fast air moving over them because that helps move the hot air away and bring in cooler air. So I'll talk about that more in a second. But the third strategy is soaking the cow. So that means wetting them with enough volume of water to wet through the hair coat to the skin. And that also helps them dissipate heat. So a lot of farms have installed soaker systems either over the feed bunk where they turn on and off on a cycle while the cows eat or in the holding area for the milking parlor is another common place to cool cows with water. But I think that here in the Midwest, a lot of farms can get away with not having soaker systems if they have proper ventilation systems. And so um, if you have, for example, a naturally ventilated barn, it's really important to have fans over the resting stalls. I know some farms also have them over the feed bunk, but it's more important to have them over the resting stalls because that's where the cows should be spending half of their day lying down, and as they're lying down, they accumulate more heat, and then they end up standing up to try to lose that heat. Obviously something that we should be thinking about because while we may think we only have three months of summer in Wisconsin, as you said, it's about half the year where that index may be too warm for for cattle. And as we're seeing more record heat, heat waves, are there other things that we should be paying attention to? I mean, are these things also going to solve those record temps? It really helps. So it is something to be concerned about that as we're seeing higher temperatures and more days with high temperatures or high relative humidity, that the impacts of heat stress are going to be greater than what we're used to historically. And so the best we can do besides try to mitigate climate change, which is, you know, very challenging, it's, it's hard for an individual to make a huge difference there, is to just be aware that this is an increasing problem and to make sure that you're prepared. So part of that is making sure that you have a good ventilation system, whether that's a naturally ventilated barn with properly spaced and angled fans or some kind of mechanically ventilated barn. So here it would be tunnels or cross-ventilated barns. I think having those prepared, but also making sure that you're maintaining the fans, is a really good way to prepare. And then if we're seeing these really high temperatures, that's where you want to consider investing in additional soaking systems. So if you combine these tools of shade, high-speed air where the cows are resting, and then soaking to help in these extreme conditions, that's a really good way to mitigate the impacts of these hot conditions. Dr. Jennifer Van Oss, along with us, an assistant professor in UW-Madison's Department of Animal and Dairy Sciences, also an extension specialist in animal welfare with a focus on dairy cattle. Learn how to find a temperature humidity index at MidwestFarmReport.com. There we've also got a link to farm infrastructure workshops hosted by UW professors. Stay safe out there. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff.